Hello, and welcome to episode six of the Working Title Podcast. Today I have Laura Nelson, a good friend of mine, and she is going to tell us all about polyculture, herbal remedies, and all sorts of things you can grow in your backyard. Uh, this was recorded initially at like some, something like 7 or 8 a.m., and I don't know about you people, but that is, uh, that is early for me. So, uh, I'm a bit out of it. Um, you might be able to hear it in her voices, but you might not. So, uh, we'll see. I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, thanks for listening. All right, welcome, Laura, to the Working Title Podcast, where I ask you questions about things that you know about and <laughs> I don't. Uh, so you're into polyculture, growing yes. food, and then making things out of those grown foods, like lotions, tinctures, and medicines, etc. <laughs> yes. Herbs included. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, what made you want to get into sustainability practices? It's actually really funny because it was something where like seeds were just planted throughout my life. It wasn't like all of a sudden I decided Is to do a- it you meant to make no (laughs) thank you I'm actually very proud of that now (laughs) um no it happens this you know throughout my life it's like I always saw my grandparents gardening my grandma always had herbs in her garden she was a really crafty woman so she'd make things and she'd dry her lavender um (laughs) sorry I don't mean to talk so quietly (laughs) um and then my grandfather got cancer, and I saw the the drugs that they put him on and what it did to him. And, you know, shortly after that, like, out of high school, uh, I got a job at a tea shop in mm-hmm. which, you know, people asked me questions. So I had to learn a lot about herbs and plants and teas and how they affected you. Um, one of the funniest things that were, <laughs> the things that made me pursue it more, is like, in high school, like, I would start to make lotions to, to make money and stuff. I'd make weed lotions and edibles and stuff, like, making weird creations all the time to try to get money before I actually got a tax-paying job. Mm-hmm. Um, super illegal, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, we, we support illegal activity on this podcast. <laughs> Probably shouldn't announce on a podcast that... I did that at 18. But anyways, <laughs> uh, I was always interested in making my own stuff because I was raised by my grandmother and she's more from that, that time of making your own shit. And then as I got older, I just got more into the natural world and more natural healing, especially after seeing what happened to my grandfather. I just, I was really appalled by what the medical industry mm. was doing to people. And then learning about, more about big pharma and various other things I was like it just pushed me more in that direction and then some of the 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 funnier bigger things that made me want to do more sustainable practices was was honestly video games really (laughs) um which one specifically if you say uh, Stardew Valley, I swear to God. <laughs> One of them was Stardew Valley. Because when I was younger, I played Harvest Moon, but I was so young, I had a hard time I with it. Yeah, 
but I was little, and so like I had a, a, a difficult time. And then when I got older, as Troy's like, oh, this game's a lot like Harvest Moon. You'll love it. And so I started playing it, and I was like, this is addicting. I played over like 700 hours within like a year or two. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then also we were playing Pit People, and the the main character is a, a blueberry farmer and I'm like fuck yeah that's a thing you can do I'd, I would love to do that with my life <laughs> it was just like it's just again like this little seeds of like things that inspired me and started putting me into the path that I'm taking now and I just I've just spent the last couple of years just educating myself on sustainability and gardening and various stuff and like how I can make my own shit and I just really want to be self-sufficient and also um help people and mm-hmm. make more positive impacts with my life so being a hundred percent sustainable is obviously a really large task and you probably haven't made it there yet, no right? <laughs> not at but all but if you had to give a certain percentage to, to how sustainable you are what would you probably put it at i feel like it's still a pretty small fraction i don't know how to actually put it into a number but it, it's, it's not very large uh, but more so than other people you know I, I have a rain barrel I have my garden I have my own compost uh, I try to get zero waste products I can use over and over again um, I learn how to make my own insect repellent my own household products you know I'm growing a bunch of mint so it's super easy to make that stuff yeah and mint is used with insect repellent yeah yeah you can actually um repel a lot of different things that try to get into your house um last winter we had a problem with rats and i didn't have mint yet so i got peppermint extract and i put it all around the house and no more rats so because <laughs> i don't i personally don't believe in killing things because they're just trying to do their best they're just trying to exist you know they they don't mean to be an asshole so i'm just like all right well i'll just do something so you won't want to be around here <laughs> <laughs> I always look at it as putting them out of their misery. <laughs> a bit different of a worldview. Uh, what do you have growing in your garden currently? Specifically? Oh my God. I mean, like, is it a lot? <laughs> it's so funny because, like, I don't have a huge garden. I have, um, like, four established beds, like, raised flower beds, and then a couple other areas I'm growing and so it doesn't seem like a lot until I go over there and see all the various plants I have. I have a variety of flowers um, that I use for my polyculture to bring in uh, beneficial insects so I don't have to spray or yeah, use pesticides. Mm-hmm. Um, polyculture is really awesome because it, the whole concept of it is co-planting things so that they can sustain each other and you don't really have to do anything besides you know, know fertilize them every now and then give them water you know make sure uh their their habitat's good i guess but um so yeah i have a variety of plants all around my my fruits and vegetables but i have blueberries strawberries mint hops uh, a whole variety of herbs i have tomatoes a whole variety of tomatoes actually tomatillos pumpkins uh Sorry, <laughs> I was trying to think. Um, I guess like those are main things because then I could go into each individual flower I have and herb, and but that would um, just take forever. <laughs> we'll get there. Trust me. Uh, I, I heard the word polyculture probably for the first time at work 
because we have mm. a polyculture flower that is at work as of today. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't even know what that meant. So polyculture is just using many different foods and, and growing stuff, or, or, or what exactly is polyculture? So there is monoculture, polyculture, and permaculture. Monoculture is what you usually see on farms, and it's not a very good practice. It's It strips the earth. It makes it so you have to use pesticides. It's just planting one plant and just focusing on that one, which mm. isn't good at all. As one plant, they need one specific thing. Well, not mm. one specific thing, but they need so specific things. So the soil of all that one nutrient. Exactly. Whatever, and it draws in all the same kinds of bugs, which leads to overpopulation of everything from weeds exactly. to bugs to blah 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 yeah it's it's a not good practice at all and polyculture is this mixing a variety of different plants to sustain each other and then permaculture is basically like polyculture except you use the the landscape to your advantage instead of like going in and like messing with everything to fit your needs you work with earth okay so um What's the most like significant thing you've learned since you've started these sustainability practices? What do you mean by significant? I mean, um, what's something you didn't expect to learn from this? Yeah, everything. <laughs> um, learning about the monoculture and polyculture thing, realizing uh, all the stuff with our food and environmental stuff was very eye-opening because there's so many things you don't think about going through your day-to-day life one of the things i learned with like growing your own food and everything is just like well when you're buying food uh it travels a really large distance and even people were like i'm vegan and i eat only organic well it's like i found out one of the ways i make things organic is instead of Know, spraying stuff instead they'll just kill animals that <laughs> get on the property and try eating it and uh finding out stuff like that i've done a lot of research into uh just delving more into like where our food comes from where it goes yeah. and its impact on the world and that was one of the craziest things of like oh yeah something can be grown on this continent and then brought over this continent and then brought over to us and like that's horrible <laughs> that's not good yeah, and a lot of the fruits and vegetables that we eat today from the grocery store are all so heavily genetically modified over mm-hmm. the last um, few decades. Even. Yeah. But it, even more so over the past couple hundred years. Um, so the foods that our ancestors were eating are basically not even around anymore. Yeah, exactly. We're all eating these morphed versions of these foods it's kind of like the the chickens with the growth hormones yeah these giant chickens and we'll get these big ass cucumbers or these Mm -hmm. really yellow bananas that you know don't make sense a lot of times they from what i've heard they'll polish our fruit and vegetables too um and they throw away the ones that look funky which are like are still good to eat Uh, i've actually read into that a little bit i guess they don't necessarily throw them away Mm. they end up using them for stuff like salsas or jams the ugly ones usually i mean it's a big misconception in the the grocery industry that they just throw away stuff that's ugly and you know when it does get to that end of the production line 
many times they will throw it away. Yeah. But early on in the production line, they, they take those weird looking ones. Yeah. And they end up using them for other things, luckily. Thank so, God. So most of the statistics on that that you hear, you know, with today's kind of outrage is a little bit skewed. But. That's the thing with statistics and with this whole uh, conversation we're going to have. Uh, perspective is very easily manipulated statistics are easily manipulated so even when i say things and i tell people stuff i'm always going to say as much research as i do i'm still never going to be an expert i'm not going to be in these factories i'm not going to be in these countries dealing with this i'm not going to be seeing stuff personally you know like right in front of my face or anything so it's just like i try to you know i develop my opinions but i still try to keep an open mind because i will never truly know anything that I will do research on because mm-hmm. uh, things are just so manipulated and especially when you're just reading stuff online like anyone can create it anyone can make you think something so I uh. say so, yeah, a lot of times it's it's the way writers will write an article I mean sometimes I think it's a big misconception thinking you're just getting information when you're reading thing on, things online mm-hmm. but there's it's like any documentary you watch there's always I used to think stuff like documentaries were strictly informative. Mm. But if you really listen carefully and watch carefully, you can see the that they have <laughs> not only a bias, but something they're trying to tell you. Yeah. A, a very specific thing. Like, uh, I'll give you an example. A few days ago, I was watching this Pacific Ocean documentary with my dad. Mm. And it started out saying, like, uh, the Pacific Ocean is like a beautiful place, you know. <laughs> but it's very violent, too. And... and uh, <laughs> This theme of, like, the Pacific Ocean being dangerous or violent or, uh, you know, this wretched place kept coming up yeah. in every single thing they brought up. So it was a, it's kind of interesting to see uh, the kind of themes and motifs they, they try to get across, mm. uh, especially in articles, dark documentaries, or, or strictly educational, quote-unquote, mm. um, material. So... But they still, you know, (laughs) kind of make your mind think a certain way. Mm -hmm. And they're like, why am I all of a sudden scared of the ocean? This is weird. (laughs) Like, I didn't have this fear before. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm scared of the ocean. (laughs) Yes, it's dark and deep and there's lots of things in there that can eat me. We nuked it. We were so scared of it. Are you serious? Well, I mean, nuclear <laughs> testing. But. I thought you meant like like super intentionally, like, fuck this thing. <laughs> like, if we just blow it up a lot, it won't be a problem anymore. <laughs> uh, what turned out to be easier than you thought in growing your own food? <laughs> Basically, that was just growing the plants. Um, once you start using polyculture and putting things together that mm-hmm. like being around each other, all of a sudden, like... It was super easy to grow them because, you know, I didn't have a bunch of bugs attacking them, so I wasn't sitting there trying to fight off pests or anything. Anytime I saw I was developing a pest problem, I'm like, ugh, time to plant more marigolds and get more ladybugs, and then, like, all of a sudden it wasn't a problem anymore. Uh, I can see why it's so daunting because the first year I started gardening, I struggled so much because I didn't understand what plants need as soon as you understand the fundamentals of which which each plant needs it's it's really easy to take care of them and also to 
give yourself leeway with it. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes plants are just, you can give them everything they want and they'll just be like, eh, you know, and we'll just, die anyway. yeah, exactly. It's always makes me think of kind of like in nature, there's a variety of animals. So you know how women usually menstruate and other animals don't. Uh, like bats and stuff like that, they have this thing where if the conditions aren't right, their pregnancies won't progress. They'll get pregnant, but it'll stay dormant within them. Uh, not like a fully formed fetus and then like <laughs> they have to carry it forever, but it'll, it'll stay, uh, I think, just an embryo until the conditions are right and then it will grow. And that makes me wonder if plants are kind of this same way of like, mm-hmm. okay, now the conditions are right, now I'll thrive. Like I have a couple... Forgive me if I pronounce this wrong. No one has ever told me how to pronounce hostas. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's hostas. Okay. I'm not sure, though. Right. It's how it's spelled, <laughs> but there's so many plants are like... You it... can't call it hostas. Yeah. Like hostas. <laughs> right. I talking about Twinkies. Well, there's so many like plants where I'm like, oh, this is how it's spelled, so this is how it's pronounced, and people are like, no, you're stupid. I'm like, thanks. Um, but no, I have a variety of those, and... They died the first year I planted them. I'm like, what the hell? And then randomly one popped back up and started thriving. It's just... Uh, <laughs> there's so many examples where life is just like, I don't like this condition, so it just won't. And But as soon as like conditions are right, it's like, hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, what was harder than you thought it would be? <laughs> so, trying to figure out how plant uh, how do i word this like how big plants get <laughs> i didn't think about too much i planted a bunch of chamomile which i just recently pulled out because it was done it was at the end of its life cycle i got as much out of it as i could it got so big it covered up the rest of my flowers and started killing them <laughs> it just became monstrous which like part of me was like cool i have so much chamomile that i can harvest for tea now but oh my god everything else is dying and it sucked and even with my tomatoes i didn't realize um i didn't know the structure in which they grew because you always see those tomato cages so you're just like perfect this will work Mm. fine those tomato cages i really suck um tomatoes are like the most difficult thing to grow i did super well i have so many something about getting water on the leaves and they die or something yes you can't water really yeah um they, they will rot and they will die. <laughs> yes. You have to water f- from the base, which is kind of scary in Washington because it rains a lot. So I'd always worry about my tomatoes. And definitely if they get overwatered, they get these like growth stretches that look like... If you see them on your tomato, you're like, this is a bad tomato, like as a disease or something. It's like, no, it's just this weird stretch because it's kind of like this gray color mm-hmm. and it doesn't look okay, but you just cut it off. It's still edible, you know. It's totally fine. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I didn't... I didn't know, like, how tomatoes, how they were structured, I guess. And so I didn't know how to support them. And when my tomatoes got huge, I didn't realize they were going to get huge. And then, like, they were falling over. And I was having to making, like, makeshift shit everywhere to try to, like, support them and keep them up and off the ground. Christmas tree from the Charlie Brown. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so next year, that's a cool thing about garden. With anything in life, it's just, like... You just keep learning and you keep adapting and you keep fixing it. And so I'm like, okay, next year I know exactly how to make the cages. Mm-hmm. Fuck those little metal ones because they suck. <laughs> <laughs> and like next year I have it. Like I'm an expert now. But I got I've a really good harvest from my ch- t- cherry tomatoes and my regular tomatoes, which has been very exciting. I didn't... Mm-hmm. My kind of... Um, what's the word? 
I don't know the word. No, like... Oh, God. You're gonna cut this out, right? Maybe. I hope so. <laughs> I can't think of the word. Not like theory or something like... Hypothesis? Uh, idea? Um, something to just keep telling yourself over and over again with gardening. It's just like, don't... Slogan? I guess. <laughs> Jesus. Motto. It's... Yeah. My, my motto for my tomatoes. Oh. <laughs> um, oh, beautiful. Never mind, he blessed us for a second. Uh, it's just, with gardening, just don't expect anything to do well. Because <laughs> it's so fickle. And if you put your expectations too high, you'll be disappointed. And I've heard this from other gardeners. It's just like, you plant things and then you just hope. <laughs> you know, you hope it does well. If it does well, it's exciting. But if you're just like, oh, this is going to do great. I'm going to get so much from this. There's a good chance you won't, and you'll be devastated. So what you're saying is gardening has taught you a lot about life. Yes. <laughs> I've I've annoyed so many people because I relate gardening to everything. And they're I like, mean, it's, it makes sense. Yeah, it's, it, it's so relatable to, like, uh, even societal things of, like, I've told Troy, like, how you can relate gardening to, like, even social issues <laughs> of... Yeah, you can't just grow one thing. Have exactly. One kind of plant somewhere, or else it's going to become a toxic environment. Exactly. How <laughs> diversity is really important, and you know you don't. If something's struggling on your plant, like if you have something that's like a leaf or something that's turning brown, you just don't like cut it off and throw it away. It's like you'll cut it off and then you'll repurpose it. You know. I'm like, and that's like a lot like people. Like if you have a troubled person, you don't just like oh fuck this person. No, you you try to give them help and repurpose them. You know. <laughs> and then he just told me I was crazy, and I'm like, I'm just doing my best. <laughs> uh, so you've been making lotions, tinctures, and medicines. Mm -hmm. I want to go through each one of those because I want to hear some examples of the kind of things you make. So as far as lotions go, is that like sunscreen? Yes. I've actually, that's the one I've been doing the longest. I've been doing since I think I was a senior in high school. I make a weed lotion that helps with almost everything, um, depending on what essential oils I put into it. Usually when I make it, it's really good for like sunburns or sore muscles is the main thing. Um, but I do make sunscreens. I make regular lotions that don't have any weed in it or anything. Um, I tried starting to make face creams that don't have heavy oils in them. Cause for people like me who break out easily, that's the last thing I want. Mm -hmm. I knew some people were taking my, my weed lotion and putting it on their face. And I was like, don't do that. <laughs> so tinctures. Tincture is like a very vague word. Is like it? A, I think so. I feel like a tincture could be anything. A tincture is actually very specific. I can't remember all the different things. I think you can use water, and I think you can use water things. But the main thing is it's an extract through alcohol. And what you do is you take your dried herbs, and you take alcohol, and you let them steep together for about a month. And every day you shake it up, you know, get it, mm -hmm. get moving a little bit. And at the end, you strain it out and you have a tincture. And it's an extraction of that herb that's very concentrated. And then don't, not to be confused with extracts because extracts are also different and mm -hmm. process a different way. But yeah. <laughs> so correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't tinctures the same thing that uh, homeopathic remedies are like? Mm -hmm. A lot of homeopathic people use them. 
And there's a lot of people that say homeopathic remedies are, are mostly like uh, mind over matter or, or mm-hmm. uh, placebos. Uh, it can be. Yeah, so where is the line between placebo and effective when it comes to tinctures? Because, I mean, there's a difference between using, like, all sorts of weird spider legs and stuff and, like, Mm. you know, a weird beetle in your extraction (laughs) process and using a few herbs that have been historically proven to be effective. Um, I'm trying to think. I feel like definitely the difference is, like, when I was working at the tea shop, I'd always tell people, I'm like, these herbs will help you, but don't expect them to be cure-alls or miracles. Like, it's not going to happen instantly. That's the thing with more natural medicine is it's it's natural. Even if it's a, an extract, you know, it's not like what Big Pharma does where, you know, you take something, you feel it instantly because they fucked with it so much. It's like, this is stuff where it's like, it's a progression. It's mm-hmm. something for healthy lifestyles and habits. Uh, there's definitely, I've made... A holy basil tincture, which helps as um, antifungal, antibacterial, antiviral properties. It's not something where it's going to instantly heal you if you have a virus or something, but it's going to help you not get it type of thing. Um, Right now I'm about to work on some oregano tinctures so I can make essentially my own uh, antibiotics if needed. Interesting. And those are the things people would say promote well-being. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And once you get into stuff where... It's so hard because when you get into the metaphysical thing, I know a lot of people believe in metaphysical stuff. And, like, there's there's some where it does get into a placebo effect where it works because it's a placebo because you're Mm -hmm. changing your way of thinking. I've been seeing a therapist lately lately and... um, changing your ways of thinking really makes your life better and so when you do those placebo effects it's just rerouting or rewiring your brain to think in a more healthy way mm-hmm. so like they do work but i'm scared to get into the talking about the metaphysical and like eh, it doesn't really work type of stuff just mm-hmm. because i know it's gonna upset a lot of people if i say certain things yeah, I'm <laughs> plant spirits are gonna get on your ass (laughs) (laughs) i've actually i've been reading a a book talking about plant totems which is like the spirits within plants and stuff that's really interesting it is Uh, i've been reading this north american myths and legends of the north rockies Mm. like native myths and legends and uh just in like the introduction it's like you know a, a lot of tribes believed that every plant every animal had a spirit yeah that's what this book is derived from. It's like the exact same concept the person was talking about. You know, I'm white and I'm not going to, you know, claim this as my own. He's like, this is something I've definitely developed from Native Americans mm-hmm. uh, and kind of made it into my own thing, my own practice. And it it's really fascinating. It reminds me of uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. And I think that's one of the reasons <laughs> I really enjoy reading it. It's like thinking about the spirit realm and stuff. I'm definitely a person where I believe anything is a possibility so Mm -hmm. i try not to stick my mind on one thing like no i don't actively believe in gods or ghosts or stuff but like i'm still open that to things so i like to be knowledgeable about it and see other people's perspectives yeah the spirit of basil is there you want to make sure they're happy mine is not happy mine got (laughs) i had six basil plants that all got eaten by slugs and i finally have two that are doing like decent but i had to like put them in their own 
own little area away from all the other planes. At least the slug spirits are appeased. The slug spirits are so goddamn happy. They love me. Um, so you've made these tinctures mostly for uh, antibiotic and medical purposes. Mm. Um, have you... Is there a way to like make a makeshift aspirin out of herbs? Yes. So um, one of the plants I'm growing right now is they're called bleeding hearts. Have you seen them? They're they're native to Washington. Probably. I'd have to see what they look like. Um, I'm kind of growing them in my front yard. So once they actually bloom next year, I can show you. They're really beautiful. They have uh, like painkiller properties. Mm-hmm. I need to research which part of the plants. I'm pretty sure it's in the leaves, but I don't want to do it and you know poison myself. Um, that's another thing I'm really fascinated in is uh, foraging, backyard foraging and all that stuff because I feel like that's also very fundamental to sustainability. Mm-hmm. But anyways, <laughs> so I started actively growing bleeding hearts, which is a, it's a native Washington plant. It's like, super easy to mm-hmm. get them and grow them. And I wanted to try to make those into painkillers eventually. Yeah. But definitely after doing like research on it and knowing what the fuck I'm doing, so I'm not just giving my friends these these plants and then you know <laughs> causing brain damage or something. Um, what was the first homemade like thing you made out of plants? Like, do you remember the first time you you like went out and just picked some things and was like, I'm gonna try to make something? Not too much okay i remember actually i remember one instance when i was little this is a (laughs) stupid story and i'm so sorry about this because i was thinking about like the more like uh i guess almost professional like when i was making my lotions when i was making my tinctures when i was growing my garden but no one of the first memories i have of going out and grabbing stuff because i was a little witchy kid i was a little like i loved trying to make shit and I love the nature and trees and stuff. I was watching Bear Grylls on TV when I was little. <laughs> I like and, where this is going. And he, he did this thing where he's like, I'm going to make my own tea. And he plucked like <laughs> these pine needles off a tree and made tea. I'm like, I want to do that. Because he talked about how good it was. I'm like, that's amazing. So I went outside and I plucked a bunch of random shit off the trees. And I tried making tea. And it just tastes like hot water. Because yeah. I didn't do anything correctly. Because I was probably like, what, eight years old. And I was like, this didn't fucking work. So that was probably my first instance of trying to do that. Bear Grylls was like the coolest guy growing up. But like... The older I got, the more I realized he was, like, the biggest con artist. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's like, after you watch Survivor Man, or that, have you ever seen that TV show Alone? Where they Probably. put, like, ten people on, like, they started out in Vancouver Island. It's just like, all right, yeah. we're going to put all ten of you on this island. You guys can bring ten things. Uh, whoever lasts the longest wins. You guys have to film yourself every <laughs> And And it's, like, the only reality tv show i've ever seen mm. now that i think of it because survivor you know the 
the more you look back at all these old reality TV shows, you see that they weren't even close to being hardcore. <laughs> but now the demand for being hardcore has gone up, so... With, like, Naked and Afraid and stuff like well, that. Well, I mean, Naked and Afraid's a bit ridiculous. But... It's ridiculous. <laughs> but just in the sense of, like, you have Survivor, and then you have Naked and Afraid, where, like, you're butt-ass naked, mm-hmm. and, like, things are crawling up in places you don't want them to be and whatnot. Mm-hmm. It's funny, when I was, um, when I was in the hospital, I remember... <laughs> Naked and Afraid was on 24-7 because that was like the oh only God. channel I had. <laughs> and I just remember being in pain and looking at that and being like, why am I cursed right now? That's like, why is this the only thing on my show. TV? <laughs> uh, that show alone, though, is pretty cool because people actually gain weight for the show because they know mm. they're going to go long periods of time without food. Yeah. They end up like, you know, trying to eat squirrels or, or rabbits or, you know, fish. They try foraging whatever they can, but... Ultimately, it, it comes up to who can spend the least amount of calories exactly. to stay the warmest. Exactly. Uh, fun fact, actually, about eating squirrels. That reminds me <laughs> of not a personal story. So when it comes to talking about exactly the topics we're talking about right now and then eating mm-hmm. squirrels and then knowing where your food comes from and then knowing how to handle pests. So there was this video I watched of this guy. I don't know the the credentials of all this. I definitely just watched a video, and I'm hoping he's being honest in what, mm. he, in what he did. There's this guy that went down to Florida, and he's like, for an entire year, I'm only going to eat the stuff I grow and forge. And so he made himself like a tiny little house that was basically just a roof and a bed. And then he had a completely self-sustaining little kitchen area where he would collect rainwater, and he could do that. And like wow. same thing with his shower. He'd collect rainwater in each shower. Just completely zero waste it was really badass and he had just this little plot land that he grew food and it it was amazing it was very inspirational especially if it's true Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm like that's you know why i'd want to go more towards and there's one part where he's talking about how you know first few weeks he felt amazing he was only eating fruits and vegetables he's drinking very clean water and then he started to notice he wasn't getting enough protein. He's like, okay, I'm going to start planting like peanuts and stuff like that mm-hmm. to try to get more protein. Well, he started attracting squirrels and squirrels started to eat his source of protein. Oh, and, he's, no. <laughs> and he's like, well, got to eat the squirrels then. <laughs> he's like, I'm not getting protein. They're eating my protein. They are protein. So this is the solution. And that's what kind of opened my mind to... Oh, God, that's what organic farmers a lot of mm-hmm. times will do, too. They're like, well, I can't spray to keep these guys away, so I'm just, I kill them. But this guy did it in a more sustainable way, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you know, even you could have an all-protein diet and still go starving. Yeah. Which is a weird thing to think about. Mm-hmm filling your stomach and still going hungry. Right. It's like with <laughs> carbs and stuff, too. It's the same thing. If you're not... And also with all this I was learning more about healthy eating and how I don't know I suffer a lot from depression anxiety which you can probably tell in this podcast I have horrible anxiety because I can't think straight yeah I mean (laughs) no one really notices other people's anxiety too much that's true (laughs) good point (laughs) they're too anxious they can't (laughs) (laughs) but I try to like solve it with okay making sure I get enough nutrients throughout the day is so fucking hard to get every nutrient <laughs> if you eat super there's days where like i'll eat almost 100 percent vegan i'll try to incorporate a whole variety of like fruits and grains and vegetables and, and it's like i still don't meet it and it's like so god it's like how do we survive if we're not getting the amount of nutrients we're supposed to get especially people who have really 
horrible, horrible diets? Like, how are we lasting? Are we just eating so many preservatives that mm-hmm. we're just, like, walking preservatives? And, you know, diet is really important, and I think it does affect pretty much every aspect of your life. Uh, my mom, though, like, she would... I would, like, tell her my back hurts or something, and mm-hmm. she would, like, ask what I was eating. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, I mean... Yeah, diet's important, but I guess it's not always the culprit. <laughs> no. <laughs> and like, it, it can affect a lot of things. A lot of people say your health starts from your gut, which is very true. Like, what you put oh, in your body, is. like, you know, you need nutrients to go to certain things to make sure you're healthy. But yeah, like, if you sprain your ankle, that's probably not because you didn't eat enough broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> But it could be, you know. You know, actually, there is to some degree of that. If you don't eat certain fruits and vegetables, you'll lose, uh, what is it? Not, it's, well, yeah, it's muscle mass, but, God, I can't remember what it's called. It's having muscle around your joints and your bones. And if you lose that, you can sprain and break things easier. I don't know what it's called. There's so many things I do research in, and I know, like, the, the basics, but then when it comes, like, the actual words, I can't remember. I'm like, oh, I just, I sound like I'm just bullshitting at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a pretty good BSer, I think. I mean, I think I can, you know, look into something for 15 minutes, mm-hmm. and to someone that doesn't know anything about it, I can look like an expert. <laughs> but as soon as anyone knows anything about that topic... They can easily call. <laughs> You're like, I know keywords and that's all I need. Yeah, just, just get to have your buzzwords and how to present those buzzwords. Exactly. And then if they ask a question, be able to make say something that makes some sort of sense. Mm-hmm. And if they have something else to say about that, then you you dig your hole deeper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they're like, wait, this is starting not to sound right. You're like, no, I'm totally right. I just... Um... <laughs> mm-hmm. So out of all of your home remedies... Uh, What's been the most successful or the most effective of all of them? Um, It's hard to say because I keep tweaking stuff. When I've been making lotions and sunscreens, each time I make them, I make them a little bit differently to see, just to make them better. Mm. You know, they just work better for different skin types. They don't have as heavy as oils. They have more properties for making your skin healthy. Uh, with my tinctures, the first tincture I did, well, the only tincture I've done so far, um, was the holy basil one. And it turned out super well, and I was really happy with it. And I thought it would be disgusting, <laughs> but it's not that bad. Holy basil has a very interesting flavor to it that I think is delicious. And you just put a couple drops in your water, and it's tasty. <laughs> um, but I'm really bad at consistency, mm-hmm. and so I don't know how effective the holy basil is and my my mom uh is very good at trying all my products and trying them every day and she lives and dies by them and tells people how amazing they are so like i like to hope that they're successful and working well because she says they are but it's also my mom (laughs) my biggest fan right there well i mean i'm a sagittarius so (laughs) uh what's your favorite herb to work with so far um definitely not basil that's been my least favorite you know how humans 
kind of latch on to negativity. That's the first one I think of, like, God, I fucking hate... It's such a <laughs> great herb. Like, it smells great, and it's so tasty, but it's the most fickle one to to try to grow. Like, everyone I know struggles with basil, especially in Washington, because it's, it's more of a warm climate plant, so mm-hmm. it hates it up here. An Italy thing. Exactly. Um, I've had a lot of luck with oregano and sage... Though I haven't really made anything with them yet, mm-hmm. I plan on trying to make smudges with the sage. Oh boy. Because <laughs> <laughs> I have lavender and stuff too. <laughs> so I really, I don't know. As much as like I don't hardcore believe in uh, the spirits and everything, I still like the putting yourself in the mindset of like cleansing mm-hmm. your house. And so I, I still want to make them just, oh, it's like lighting a candle. It's like the ambiance and the feeling mm-hmm. you put into the home despite if the the theories behind it are true or not, you know. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's true. I've, I've looked Palo Santo before, and people have been like, dude, what is that? I'm like, it's Palo Santo. It gets rid of evil spirits, maybe. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, it's one of those things you're never going to... As humans, we're never going to know everything. We can, we can just guess. It's like with science. Like, mm-hmm. you just guess until it works, but I don't know. When it comes to spirituality and stuff, who fucking knows? <laughs> and for those of you listening, yes, I'm aware Palo Santo is an endangered species of tree. I haven't <laughs> bought any since I found that out. I'm really glad you clarified that. <laughs> no, I'd say... Well, my favorite herbs were... I don't know even know if it's an herb. It's a flower. Classifications are also very difficult. You know, tomatoes are fruits, and so I'm not very adept in the classifications but i love what do they really mean the classifications i've I've heard people say cucumbers are fruits i've heard people say pumpkins are fruits um, yeah pumpkins are fruits i mean this whole world of fruitdom i I never wanted to get wrapped up in i i remember (laughs) debating the semantics of troy of like root vegetables you have to be a root first up. <laughs> yeah, well, there's so many things you're like, this is a root vegetable, but it's like, oh, no, it's actually a tuber or a bulb or, like, various other things. And I can't remember exactly what it was, but I think we were talking about... I was talking about how onions were bulbs and then we were getting the tubers. And he was, like, telling me I was wrong on something. So we had to do, like, extensive research to try... For, and it's like, it was one of those things where it's like... Especially when you get into the culinary world and then you mm-hmm. go into... Um, herbalism and people who know a lot about plants everyone has different definitions for everything so it's difficult but my main point mm-hmm. <laughs> what I was talking about I really love working with lavender the most it's really easy to harvest and mm-hmm. dry it has so many different properties to it I eventually I planted a bunch this year and I'm hoping I have a really good harvest next year because I'd like to get enough to make extracts and tinctures out of Mm -hmm. so I can start directly putting them into lotions and stuff. That way when I make all my stuff and people ask where my ingredients come from, like, all for me, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) So the the whole thing with fruit and vegetable classifications, Mm. it it really all comes down to the culture. Mm. Uh, I know in Costa Rica, there's a lot of uh, tribal groups where they don't classify things between fruits and vegetables. Mm. I forget the, the actual words they use, but it's based off of the color of, <laughs> of the edible plant. I love that. Yeah, so it's, it's just a different way of uh, classifying things, I guess. Uh, so what's the most versatile herb or even uh, food that you've grown? 
Um, Something that you like end up using in damn near everything. Definitely the lavender, but that's because that's the one I'm most used to. Mm-hmm. My grandma had a huge lavender bush and I would always harvest from it and make stuff out of it. So I would harvest the lavender, dry it, and then we'd make little lavender pillows that you could stick next to your nightstand or like cuddle with or it's whatever. Wonderful. I actually love sleeping next to lavender. Exactly. Way more calming than you would think. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's wonderful. But I started growing hops and it's not quite ready yet, but that also has a lot. Mm-hmm. You can make it for teas. You can make it for you know, making beverages. You know, it, <laughs> it, it can either be like a really tasty drink or, Actually, different a few different tasty because again you can make a tea or you can make a beer. Um, it has very similar properties to lavender. It's another good little sleep aid. Mm. Uh, you know, I was growing like I said before, I was growing chamomile, which does have a whole lot of different properties. But mm. I loved harvesting that, and I tried to get as much as I possibly could, just because I feel like that's a really good you know, sleep aid, calming tea, upset t- mm-hmm. stomach tea, as it's really good for your health, essentially, you know, so it's, that was one I was really excited for. Uh, there's this hop plant outside my job in Spokane, and uh, I, some random customer said they saw someone put a hop in their mouth and just start chewing on it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, you can do that? So I mm-hmm. tried it myself, instantly regretted it. Yeah, it's super oh unpleasant. <laughs> it is... You think you've tasted bitter. You haven't. Exactly. It's like, it's like yeah, it's edible. You can chew on it. However, it sucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> And there's a lot of plants like that where it's like, yeah, you can technically put that in your mouth and eat it, but <laughs> you probably shouldn't because it'll just destroy your taste buds. Um, so have you started foraging yet? Yes, a little bit. Uh you know, I I just do backyard foraging so far just because really? it's... So I guess I'm going to kind of backtrack and go mm-hmm. off tangent for a second. You know, you know, after World War II, how we went into our whole like, materialistic mindset mm-hmm. in the United States where it's like everyone must have this phenomenal garden. Everyone needs to have a refrigerator and a car and a microwave. And everyone became very face value. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was extremely detrimental to us as a society and as humans, especially because that whole idea that we need to have this perfect lawn is so shitty because you don't realize how much medicine and nutritional packed food grows in your yard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I st- there's a guy I actually started following on YouTube that's that lives on Woodby Island. So I'm like, oh, cool. Like everything he's going to identify that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started doing that just because they're easier. Like dandelions is a really good one. That was or the easy only one, one that came to mind right yeah. away for me. I was like, well, I know you're going to have dandelion milk. And like, I don't know if you can eat the actual dandelions. Can you? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, people um, put them in smoothies and the salads. They're very... Okay, that's going to go back to like <laughs> something you could put in your mouth and eat. But I... Don't recommend it. <laughs> but I totally could. Like, if I was trying to impress someone. Yeah. I mean, impress. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the other one that's uh, one I can easily identify, another one that I went to try to eat directly and immediately regret it was, it's called Purple Dead Nettle. It, I think I've seen, is that the little, uh, it's like the puffy purple thing with like the sort of like thorny stuff growing up on it? No, I think that, I think you're talking about thistle. I think I am talking about thistle. Uh, purple dead nettles are 
oh my god, they're so hard to describe how they look. Because it's like a stem, it has these leaves coming off, and it's kind of bushier on top, and then it has these little purple bits that kind of come off of it. Um, it's very unique looking, that's why it's easy to identify. That one, it's... Is it different from regular nettles? Yes. Okay. You you can forge it without having to wear gloves. It's not gonna <laughs> it's not gonna cause a bunch of though both of them have a lot of mm -hmm. uh, medicinal properties to them. I'm part of foraging groups that always talk about nettle because it has so nettle many tea, good properties. Nettle tea. Yeah, nettle tea. I think people uh, make nettle pesto. People make no dandelion pesto. I want to make purple dead nettle pesto because <laughs> it's really gross, and so I'd like to mix it with other things. Uh, these, these groups, these foraging groups, I can just imagine them like you open the door to their house and they just all have like deer heads and like heads. <laughs> Probably. I haven't been to any <laughs> of their houses. A lot of them are like on Facebook and Reddit, so I haven't directly met these people, but mm -hmm. I could 100% see that. They're very wilderness. Like a lot mm -hmm. of them are like hippies and shit like that. Too. <laughs> like, they're phenomenal people. But a lot of the, the foraging stuff, uh, I'm not well versed in fall or winter foraging so most mm -hmm. of the foraging stuff i know is in the spring and that's why i'm like in that mindset so right now i can't remember everything purple mm -hmm. dead nettle does for you but i just remember it's it's up there with like it has so many different properties mm -hmm. it's like just something you should incorporate in your diet because it's so well-rounded i've really been wanting to get a book of all of the edible plants in washington state that's a good idea especially if you're hiking yeah because i've always wanted to just be able to grab a snack Anywhere I go. I can do that to an extent <laughs> because of the stuff I learned. Um, maple trees. I'm pretty sure it's maple trees. Mm -hmm. uh, during the spring, you see those weird, almost like bulby stuff, like those green little bulbs coming off them in clusters? Probably. Like I hang down. It happens like, during the spring. Those are edible, and mm -hmm. people make pancakes out of them. <laughs> and very soon, that's a cool thing about joining these these foraging groups is people are like, "Oh, I forged this, and then here's a recipe I'm gonna make." You know, people make jams and jellies and extracts and syrups and pancakes, mm -hmm. and, and it's so cool when you learn all this stuff. You could literally just walk out into your yard mm -hmm. and grab a meal. <laughs> It's it's very independent, you know. Mm -hmm. You don't have to fucking spend money, you know. You don't you don't have to try growing it and put effort in it. Uh, foraging is one of the coolest things I think mm -hmm. you can do, and I feel like everyone should learn how to do it. <laughs> have you heard of camas? Mm -mm. So camas is like a a flower that grows like on the plateau generally. Uh, from That's... anywhere from eastern Oregon all the way up to northeastern Washington and into parts of Idaho. It's and so handy that we have a map in front of us. I know. Right? <laughs> and this was just here by accident. And like the last uh, podcast I did, they were just like, this map is like really nice to have. I don't know why or how, but it, it really helps. Even we're not even talking about, like we'll mention a location once and then it's like, oh yeah, th there it is. There it is. <laughs> but it, it is really nice to have. Uh, Anyways, uh, Camus uh, was the main starch that, uh, like, the Kalispell tribe would eat and stuff because mm. it was a bulb vegetable. And I've, I've picked some and eaten it before, but they would end up just roasting it or steaming it over some firecracked rock. Well, not over firecracked rock. <laughs> rock would become firecracked after yeah. the fact. But you get what I mean. <laughs> uh, have you experimented with fungi? Not yet. Yet. 
However, I do follow some uh, people who grow mushrooms uh, pages on Reddit. The only thing is a lot of people grow, like, I'm pretty sure psychedelic mushrooms, which I'm like, yeah, that's that's cool. That'd be rad. I want more variety, (laughs) personally. I don't want all my dinners to be interesting. (laughs) Exactly. I'm like, there's... I would like to eat these on a daily basis (laughs) and not, like, have issues. Uh, Where I'm just tripping balls (laughs) 24-7. But, like, there's these one mushrooms that I learned about that people would use to make ink out of on the rabbit's back how precious (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I need to look into them again Mm because it's been a couple years since I read anything about them but it's like these mushrooms that grow normally and when they start to decay they just turn to black ink and it's really cool they smell bad though but it'd be cool to to grow those and Mm -hmm. be able to, to make my own ink and shit like that so I have looked into forging mushrooms mm-hmm. and one of my favorite mushrooms i haven't tried but aesthetically i love it and i want to go forge for it is lion's mane oh, i've heard of that yeah it's beautiful it doesn't it's one of those things you can't buy at the store mm-hmm. because it's just they they're so sporadically grown everywhere exactly that's the other thing i really like about my forging groups is like they bring up mushrooms a lot mm-hmm. and seeing the variety of mushrooms are out there and it's a rabbit hole there's a lot of them oh yeah absolutely <laughs> I've seen some people online make mushroom steaks. I can see that. Like that, it's kind of like a tofu-looking thing of this <laughs> fungi, and they end up searing it on both sides, and it looks like a steak. It really tricks mm-hmm. you at first, and I imagine the texture is similar. But well, like uh, I mentioned before, um, I'm trying to change my diet over to pescatarian, just kind of cut out as many animal products as I can, besides eggs. You know, I want to mm-hmm. raise my own chickens and. I don't think they'll care. You know, I'll, I'll love them to pieces and give them so much food that I don't think they'll give a shit if I take an egg every now and then. But, um, like, with your other podcast, too, when you're talking about, like, the meat industry and all stuff like that, it's just, like, I, you know, I would try to... I want to try to avoid putting so many antibiotics into my body. And so, with cutting out animal products, I've been trying to find good meat substitutes. Mushroom works super well for a lot mm-hmm. of things. It has... Uh, a lot of stuff that helps your brain mm-hmm. and so when i make like black bean burgers or something like that i like to cut up mushrooms and put them in everything and i'm a type of person where i've always hated mushrooms and i'm like forcing myself to start enjoying them and be an adult you know it's an acquired habit for me yes I, at first i hated mushrooms but like over the years i like i love them and if I, I get a chance to put mushrooms on anything i do now it's a very bizarre <laughs> evolutionary process i have a love hate for them where i'm just there's something like when you're cooking with them it just if it's so much fun it's mm-hmm. i don't know the culinary aspect of it like chopping up mushrooms and well, putting them in stuff you and, can't like overcook mushrooms yeah you put them in that pan and then like let them cook while everything else cooks mm. nothing bad's gonna happen to them yeah they, they like you would have to really screw them up to overcook them <laughs> Yeah, I just uh, my thing has always been the texture with them. I have a hard time with I, like soft, kind of slimy things. Mm-hmm. I couldn't eat aloe for a long time because of that. It just always reminded oh, me of like eating slugs. Like, like I can't drink those aloe drinks. I tried it once. I can't. And I was like, this is terrible. <laughs> I feel like I'm drinking snot. Like mine was always like I drink it. I'm like this feels like a million baby slugs going into my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> and now and now like I I finally disassociated then from I that. Then I started eating baby slugs. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So, you know black and white truffles? Those really pricey yeah. fungi? So, turns out one of the reasons they're, they're so pricey is because they can't be domesticated. Interesting. Yeah. It's, it's like kind of like the same thing with a... Not horseradish. Horseradish is a substitute for it. Uh, wasabi. Same way. That's mm-hmm. like impossible to fucking grow. And that's why most of our wasabi is horseradish. Because you can't mm-hmm. really grow it. <laughs> There's been uh, so many times I've been hiking or something. I've seen a mushroom I've never seen before in my life. Mm-hmm. And my mind just races. Like, I wonder how that would kill me. <laughs> like, because I, I was, uh, I think I was at Gothic Basin like seven years ago, six years ago. And I see this, like, single mushroom, and it's a deep purple color. (laughs) That's beautiful. Yeah, it's this, like, really deep purple, like, you look, it it looks like Pink Floyd got to it or something. (laughs) And uh, part of me was like, if I ate that, I'd either get superpowers or die immediately. It's either going to be like a a one-up, or you're going to throw up until you die. It definitely looks like a poison mushroom. You you never see purple, so, I mean... Hmm. Purple is the color of poison in Pokemon. That's what they're talking about, you know? Exactly. Uh, Then, have you ever seen those fluorescent mushrooms? I haven't. I've I've come across orange fluorescent mushrooms Mm -hmm. in the forest before, and it's just like... They're alien. They're they're completely (laughs) alien. They don't make any sense. Oh, yeah, a lot of mushrooms. Funguses are, are amazing to research, especially... What was it? There's always... There's, like, fungus in the air all the mm-hmm. time, if I am recalling correctly. I'm a weirdo, and I like to do research mm-hmm. on stuff. Like, you know how a lot of times people be in bed looking at Facebook? I just go down a rabbit hole of reading random mm-hmm. shit, uh, and I'll absorb a good chunk of it. I'll remember, like, the basics of it, like I said before, mm-hmm. but I won't remember exact stuff. Uh, but I've looked into funguses and mushrooms and... Mm-hmm. It is, like, it doesn't even seem like something that'd be on this planet. The w- the different ways they grow, the areas that they grow, what they do, it's yeah, amazing. Yeah, we, we look at the evolutionary tree and how everything operates and functions. I think fungi is the one that is least like anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, in a couple of weeks, I'm hopefully going to have a guest on here mm-hmm. that is a scientist that works with lichen. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, I don't know much about lichen. <laughs> I don't either, but... The, I think the one thing I heard was like it was like a symbiotic relationship between fungi and bacteria, and mm-hmm. that's all I know. That's essentially where I'm at, too. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully we'll be able to learn more about that. I'll be excited for that one. <laughs> I've really enjoyed all your podcasts, and that's one of the reasons I really wanted to be on here was after hearing the, the other woman who was talking about plants. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I fucking love plants. <laughs> I'm really surprised uh, as many people are enjoying it as they are, even though it's like, you know, a relatively small amount. I'm even still surprised my friends are enjoying it. There's like... something, uh, I don't know what it is. It's, you know, we're especially a generation that grew up watching TV, and I feel mm-hmm. like we just really like listening to people, just hearing people talk about stuff, even if it's like just bullshit, you know. I know s- since COVID hit and a lot more people are isolated, and you want human interaction mm-hmm. uh like myself included there was a while where i was working entirely by myself mm-hmm. running the warehouse because we couldn't have anyone else and so i've been working 10 hour days all alone and that's when i started listening mm-hmm. to podcasts because i was going crazy being by myself for so oh, long i'll straight up put on a podcast just to like kind of have some company 
Exactly. I do it with driving a lot because when I'm driving, mm-hmm. I get really lonely. Especially when I like go see my mom mm-hmm. and I drive two hours by myself. I'm just like, I, I want some company. <laughs> That's absolutely what I do. It's either for me the Sasquatch Chronicles or I don't know if you've heard of Theo Vaughn. He's like this comedian from Louisiana. And he's just a very wholesome, genuine person. So he always comes on and he like talks about what he's dealing with. And Mm. he has really weird metaphors for things. Like he'll say sentences that I don't think anyone's ever said before. (laughs) Like, where did that saying come from? (laughs) Yeah, like I'm trying to remember something he said. He's like, uh, man, it's like you you be eating gummy bears your whole life. And then then like a bear comes in and it eats you. That's like some... Like candy revenge or something. He says like <laughs> some weird stuff like you know. That's amazing. That's what a beautiful person. <laughs> he's just always going, and uh, he's a sober person. I, I look up to people that kind of embrace sobriety because it's like that's clearly the harder thing to do. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I'm that person, <laughs> and it's nice to hear something like that because it's isolating. Oh yeah. Like I you know, you know me, we go out and drink every now and then and mm-hmm. like I'll sometimes smoke for medicinal purposes, but I don't I I partied when I was younger and then as I got older I just I kinda of fell out of it and I noticed I was doing it to numb myself mm-hmm. instead of actually experiencing my pain and so what I'll do now instead of numbing myself is I just try to sit and think about the things that are upsetting me. Mm-hmm. Which sometimes is bad, but for the most part it's good. Well that's the hard work. That's like mm-hmm. the really, you know, you're about to face all your demons each day and like you're dealing <laughs> with it though. You're at least dealing with it. But there's so many people where like I would get pushed to like do drugs all the time. And so it got mm-hmm. really isolating. They're like, just do acid, just do all these things. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm like, if I feel like it, yeah, sure I will. But I just don't want to right now. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm like, especially when it comes to like any like past trauma in my life, people keep telling me a microdose. I'm like, you know, I might at some point in my life, but because there has been times where I've done a certain drug and really delved into my brain before, which has been helpful, but I would like to try to, use tools to do it manually <laughs> people get to calm down when it comes to uh those quick drug fixes you know yeah. people are like dude just take mushrooms all of your psychological problems will be solved and you're like no <laughs> it's not how it works sir if you, like if that's the route you're gonna do you need like a guide you need someone to help you through it otherwise yeah. you're just gonna be there <laughs> scared and alone <laughs> and anxious yeah, I, I don't know. Even even today, I'll still get people that are like, come on, I have another drink or something. And I'm yeah. like, are you serious? Like, I didn't know you people still existed. <laughs> and like, Why are you peer pressuring me? Yeah, and like, I, I don't try to peer pressure people into drinking. Like, I haven't, I don't think since high school. <laughs> <laughs> I've never but, really tried to pressure people. I always got mad at my friends. Were, my close friends. Yeah. I was like, come on. <laughs> I'm already there. <laughs> yeah, the only time has been like with super close friends mm-hmm. where like I want them to be at my level. Well, even then, like that's been so mm-hmm. not frequent ever. I've probably done it like just a couple times where I'm just like, I really want you to stay at night my house so mm-hmm. we can make breakfast together. So have one more drink. <laughs> not in, like a rapey or creepy way. I just like, I really want to make you breakfast in the morning. <laughs> but no, like I remember in high school, I'd have friends that would like, 
I'd have a friend that'd want to try smoking weed or drinking. I'm like, all right, well, we'll let's baby step them into it. And then like, I turn around to be giving them a dab. I'm like, good God, what are you what doing? Are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Don't traumatize this person. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be, I don't know what it is with alcohol. Everyone tries to push it. And it's like, guys, this is like proven to be a bad idea. Like most of the time. <laughs> exactly. Especially the things that really bother me about when people try peer pressure or push you into stuff like you don't know their family history. You don't mm-hmm. know their upbringing. They could have like a, a father who is a f- abusive alcoholic or they could have alcohol problems in their family yeah. or someone died from it. And if it, someone you know? has to tell you I have a problem with alcohol, then it gets weird. <laughs> exactly. It's those things where people try to like force their opinion and it's just like, stop assuming everyone's life is the same way as yours. Because mm-hmm. then it gets weird. It's like when people go, when you're going to have kids? And then you're like, I've had miscarriages. <laughs> like, it's like, get the fuck out of my life. Like, uh, my brother sent me this thing recently. I, I thought it was hilarious. It was just like, uh, I don't want kids. And he's like, sounds beta. Sounds sounds indecisive. Oh, sounds weak. Then he says that. My bloodline dies with me. He's like, sounds metal. Sounds absurd. <laughs> I absolutely love that. <laughs> I, I can relate with it, though, because, you know, like, there's a lot of uh, speculation about things like family curses or, yeah. like, you know, the kind of thing you see from holes. <laughs> that was the first thing that popped in my head when you said family curse. I'm like, like, like holes? I gotta bring this guy up a mountain to end this thing, and I don't know who the guy is. <laughs> I don't know which mountain. <laughs> so Someone's, I mean, I know, like, there. I've, I've been doing a lot of genealogy research lately. Yeah. And I asked my mom some questions, and I know that, like, my great-grandma on my uh, grandpa's side has, like, a, a Syrian, like, gypsy background. Yeah. And, like, that's exactly where all of the, like, documents stop on the genealogy websites, too. (laughs) It's like there's nothing beyond that. Yeah. There's no information. And I'm like, what did those gypsies do? (laughs) It's funny you bring that up because I, um, talking about family stuff that actually ties to, I guess, the theme of everything is, I, I don't know how true this is. This is a story I grew up, my grandma telling me, is that I had this great-great-grandma or something, some relative distant mm-hmm. down the line that was a midwife. And fun fact, I want to be a midwife. So I was like, oh, fa- interesting. <laughs> um, supposedly there was a story that she was in her home and she got kidnapped by Native Americans because one of the women was struggling to give birth. And oh. <laughs> my great-whatever helped, uh, helped birth the child and up healthy, everyone was fine. And then every day after that, they would leave food on her doorstep. Wow. <laughs> right? I don't know how true the story is because it's not mm-hmm. like... It's just one of those things passed down and then like, you know, who knows who changed some of the aspects of the story as it goes. Exactly. Like, I'm hoping to God it's true because it's really... like You know, the kidnapping part isn't nice, but hopefully it wasn't kidnapping. Hopefully they're like, help. And she's like, okay. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but is this one of those cool things that's seen like the family ties? Because I have other family members who were botanists and mm-hmm. that I didn't find out until after they died. And I was just like, that's so neat because like, I love botany. I love herbalism. Mm-hmm. I love midwifery. And midwifery. that's how it's pronounced. Wow. I, I thought it was midwifery <laughs> until I talked to, to midwives and they said wifery. And I was like, what? All right, that fucked me up a little bit. <laughs> Side note, 
I hate it when people correct me on how I pronounce words. If they do it genuinely, that's that's nice. But like language is so fluid and like sometimes things aren't pronounced the way they're spelled. So like that's mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, like finding out my family members were into all these things and then with me growing up, like, I guess it was just like in mm-hmm. my in my genes to grow plants and be interested in plants and life and mm-hmm. all that. Um, what, what's really the line between botany and alchemy? Botany is more like the scientifical study of plants. You are studying the cells, the structures, it, the more scientific, you know, mm-hmm. the structure. Um, alchemy, I haven't done a lot of research into, but you are taking things and now you're making stuff out of them. It's more alchemy. <laughs> it, I'm not a huge expert on mm-hmm. on both of them. I I dabble into both of them, mm-hmm. but that's more my understanding of the difference in them. Because I remember going into botany, uh, thinking it would be more whimsical, mm-hmm. and then realizing, oh no, it's a lot like more it structured. Would be like a Harry Potter class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, but no, it's like I remember going into like to the Reddit of it, and people were talking about like their college papers on botany and like how plants grow in certain areas mm-hmm. and their cell structure. And I was like, oh my god, this is a lot more intense <laughs> than I thought it was going to be. But I love this. Mm-hmm. Uh, as the years have gone on, I really love knowing all the deep scientific facts about things. I I study a lot of um um biology about animals i like to study like pregnancy with animals a lot (laughs) i like to study plants and how they grow what they need elephants pregnant for like really really long i can't remember how long but yes they are they're pregnant for i think at least a couple years there's a a good handful of animals are pregnant for a few years and some of them you would never expect like there's this one animal that's called the velvet worm which if no one has any idea what that is please look it up it's the cutest insect it might be an insect um (laughs) i can't remember um it's the cutest little thing you'll ever see they have like the sweetest little faces they're really Mm -hmm. derpy looking um and they're fascinating little creatures like they they spray silk when they're attacking something so they'll they'll (laughs) just like stand up and shoot silk out and it just looks hilarious (laughs) But this is the stuff I like to research because I, I love knowing the natural world. I feel like it's so fundamental for mm-hmm. human existence and like knowing who we are and why we're here is, you know, looking at the animal kingdom, looking at mm-hmm. plants and everything. Do you see a future in the farmer's market? I've wanted to <laughs> for years. And at first I wanted to sell my art in it, mm-hmm. but... It's been harder to make art over the years. I, I work so many hours that it's hard to like sit down and devote so much time to drawing something, itch, which is heartbreaking because it's <laughs> one of my favorite things on the planet. But now that I started making stuff, because making stuff, it's like, you know, I'll go out in the garden for a few minutes every day. It grows. I harvest it. It dries. It's like, it's not me sitting out and doing something for mm. hours. It's doing little bits throughout the day. So it's a lot easier to, to make stuff. And so I'm like, yeah, this seems more reasonable. Um, I've actually talked to Troy, and our ideal life would be he wants to try to get a degree with doing something with airplanes. I really want to set up my own small business where I, I make lotions, and I, mm-hmm. I make sunscreens, and I make tinctures, and I really want to... 
I want to be a blueberry farmer, so I want to make <laughs> wines and jams, <laughs> and, you know, and I want to bring that to a farmer's market. And because also, I just think it would be awesome to be a mom at some point in my life, and then like I could just have like my kids strapped to my stomach while I'm doing all this shit. Like it's no big deal. You drive out Snohomish Soap Company, put them out of business. Yes, <laughs> actually, I was just talking about that woman the other day. Yes, I would. I would love to do that. <laughs> um, is there anything else you would like to tell the audience about polyculture or sustainability or herbs or growing things? Absolutely. Um, because I've been anxious, I've actually calmed down a lot. I don't know if you've noticed. Mm-hmm. I'm not sh- shaky, so I can think a little bit more clearly. There's a lot I want to touch upon. Um, one of the things that really helped me get into gardening and know what the fuck I'm doing, actually, instead of my failed attempts when I first started, is I started following this guy on YouTube and watching all his videos. It's called Suburban Ho- Suburban Homestead. He's a very sweet, soft-spoken guy who does polyculture. He's the one who taught me about it. Mm-hmm. And he teaches how, how to grow everything, harvest stuff, and he'll actually show you how to make recipes from literally everything in your garden. It's a very helpful channel. Um, that's one, if anyone's looking into sustainability or gardening, I highly recommend watching him. It's very, very informative. Um, the other stuff I really want to talk to is sustainability. Uh, I think it's super important as humans to try to be more independent, to be more sustainable, especially with how everything is going mm-hmm. lately. It, it, you know, you have all these people that talk about independence, but it's just like, well, what is independence? And one of the most inspirational things I saw was during the either Chop or Chaz, um, I can't remember which one they, they finalized, when they had that community garden, I thought was one of the most beautiful things on the planet because that mm-hmm. is independence. Being able to feed yourself is true independence, and that's how you really have communities because it's like, if you talk to any gardener, when they grow their food, they share it because you can overabundance. And mm-hmm. we've also talked about before that you're the actually the person who made me start thinking about this, that eating with people is so intimate and like such a beautiful thing to share with someone. Mm-hmm. And so when you're growing food, sharing food, sharing meals. Well, such a basic, uh, basic need. Yeah, exactly. And that's why it's so imperative for independence. You know, it's mm-hmm. we need food. You know, it, I... You know, I don't, obviously it's not practical for everyone to grow everything they eat, but just growing a little bit Mm -hmm. is so important. I feel like everyone should at least grow like a single herb Mm -hmm. that they can share with their friends, that they can use in their food. And just sharing in a community is just, it's essential. Uh, A friend of mine in Spokane posted this thing. It was a meme and it was like, don't forget, August 14th is leave a... Leave squash on your neighbor's porch day. Hell yeah. <laughs> a big one is um also zucchini. People yeah, getting over exactly Zucchini. <laughs> zucchini on your friend's porch day, so uh, get ready. Last year, um, my friend was growing zucchini, and I got so much from him, mm. I didn't know what to do with it. And I ended up actually having to put some of it in my compost because I, I was too busy to actually mm-hmm. cook with it because I, I wanted to make zucchini bread mm-hmm. and zucchini lasagna, but... I didn't have the time for it, but, you know, it still helped me because mm-hmm. whoever can go in my compost, even though it's like, it's not wasting at that point because I need that later. And you, have you seen people you, like make like, spaghetti out of zucchini? Mm-hmm. 
my mom used to do that, and I back then I was like, "This is scary." I don't like what's <laughs> this is new and here. different. This I is, hate it. <laughs> this isn't carbs. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't like normal. I can't get this mm-hmm. at Olive Garden. <laughs> like, maybe you can now. Who knows? They're changing things. But yeah, it's funny. Like people get so much zucchini that they're just making everything out of it because they get mm-hmm. too much. But I love I love community gardens. I. I kind of talked about this before. Is this like growing up and becoming more empathetic and realizing like what creates a civilization and that's people working together. If people didn't work together, we would, we fall, we collapse, you know, especially with the lifestyle we have where like Mm -hmm. we have houses and garbages and all these various, like you need people to help each other. You Mm -hmm. need to cooperate. And as soon as like people aren't, that's when, shit starts going south you know mm-hmm. and i feel like a lot of people even if they do realize that don't fully think about it or comprehend it everyone just wants to hate each other so much people get scared i think especially in this country because they associate uh, so many different sustainability practices with stuff like communism yeah exactly or or you know similar ideology Ideologies. I mean, you know, I don't think you need to be a communist in order to participate right. in sharing food and growing food and 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 still doing what you can. But and it's so funny because we have such a habit of putting labels on things, and it's like there's no reason why you can't blend things together and have a healthy community. Through mm-hmm. everyone's like, oh, fucking socialism. It's like there's aspects of socialism that are super important for us to survive, mm-hmm. and so it's like they get so stuck on those trigger words. You know, it's mm-hmm. like stop putting labels on everything and just be a goddamn human. <laughs> you know, like and mm-hmm. like love your neighbor. There's all these religious people that, you know, preach love your neighbor, but then they don't. You know? <laughs> well, I mean, at the end of the day, we're still a tribal uh, species. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, as, as much of a capitalist nation we will live in, we're still only going to be able to really take care of the, you know, 20 to 100 people closest to us. Mm-hmm. Everyone outside that sphere you know, maybe not, but those 20 or 100 people are, are going to need to work together. I mean, it's it's in our DNA, and it's how we've historically survived. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, sustainability, whether that be through um, gardening yourself or doing some other thing that can uh, promote the well-being of the group, I guess. Exactly. Well, should we wrap it up? Yeah, sure. All right, Laura, thank you for being on this podcast. Of course. It's been lovely. All right, I hope you guys enjoyed episode six of the Working Title Podcast. Uh, Tune in next time. We're going to be clubbing a baby seal live on air. Uh, Either that or I was going to have another guest on and we're going to talk about something different. Uh, We'll we'll see. Um, Yeah. You guys have a good week. Bye.